Today on Bridges. All his disciples deserted him and ran away. And he sees that and he knows that you all, that is love under pressure. All that first part of that was dark. It looked like the people of God and Jesus was absolutely losing, but that was absolutely a lie. When you look at your life and everything is the darkest, he does his best work in the dark. I'm Monica Schmelter. So glad that you could join us for Bridges today. Today we're going to be talking about love under pressure. And so glad that all of you could come out to WHTN studio as well today um, as we talk about love under pressure. We've got a couple of different groups with us here today. One is Beauty for Ashes Ministry. And we're so glad to have all of you here today. Yeah, let's clap. Yes, yes. And we also have Vessam women from Vessels of Honor here today, and that ministry is headed up by Deborah Baird, and amen, amen. And uh, the Vessels of Honor ministry, as well as a local business, AAA Enterprises, brought WHT in a check today for $1,000 for our Love Basket ministry that we use to help single moms and, and things like that. And we're just so grateful, and I just... I just wanted to receive this with thanksgiving and say, Deborah, thank you and thank you to your ministry. Uh, WHTN does so many wonderful things uh, here in the Nashville and Middle Tennessee area, and we're just honored uh, to be able to do that and to be able to bring you God's word. So today we're going to talk about love under pressure. And you all know we've heard that saying that our true colors come out when the heat is on, you know, when the pressure's there. And we've all been sifted by that, I would imagine, sometimes. I know I've said and done a few things that thought, wow, I thought that I was more mature than that, but apparently not. But we can learn to show God's love uh, to all people, even when pressure's coming at us from all different directions. And if there was ever a love under pressure scripture verse, I think this could possibly be it out of Luke 23 and verse 34. And this is Jesus. And he says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. And when I look at the amount of pressure that Jesus had to be under at that moment, physical pressure, and you might say, well, but he's the son of God. You all, he hung on that cross as a man. He felt that pressure in his body, that suffering, just like we would if that was us. And the pressure of having all the sins of the world put upon him. The pressure of being mocked and insulted and oh, and to, to respond with such love, to be able to say to the Father, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And to have the, res the response to that, to have the soldiers then gamble for your clothes by throwing dice, when you're doing the greatest act of love and sacrifice in all of history, and like nobody gets it, like nobody can even pause and look up and say thank you at that moment, and yet he's demonstrating that love under pressure. And we're told in scripture that we are to be like him, that we are to follow him, and that the same spirit that raised him from the dead 
dwells in us and that it quickens our mortal bodies and that it gives us the ability to do what we cannot do on our own, this means that we can love under pressure. So today we're going to look at the life of Jesus and all the different kinds of uh, pressure that he went under. And there aren't enough time to talk about all the kinds of pressure, but we're going to look at some of the pressure that he was under because again, when we look at Jesus, many times we just think, well, but he's Jesus, like that's what he was supposed to do. <laughs> and you know, that was the will of the Father for him to seek and save the lost. But he chose to come to earth and walk as a man. He walked as a person, which means that at any time he could have opted out. He could have changed his mind. And yet, despite all of the pressure of being in a fallen world, of being around people that did not get him, uh, people that mocked him, that ridiculed him, that rejected him. He chose at all times to love under pressure. And he's our advocate. He's our savior. He's our elder brother. And he is our example. And he wants us to walk as he walked, that on this earth that we love under pressure, even when we are in great duress ourselves. So we're going to look at how the religious people treated Jesus and how he responded how his family treated him and how they responded to him sometimes, and then looking at his disciples. So let's look at religious people first. Out of Luke 8, I'll read verses 3 and 6 there. It says, as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. So you look at this situation. For the woman that's caught in the act of adultery, probably no exaggeration to say it's the worst day of her life or at least one of the worst days of her life. And then you look at Jesus, whose mission is to seek and save the lost. So his heart is to love and to restore this woman. And that's what he came to planet Earth for. That's what all of that sacrifice and all of that suffering was about, was to seek and save people. So here is his moment to reach out with love to this woman who probably feels disgraced and that people are mocking and saying all kinds of stuff about. It. And all I have to say about that is probably some of the very people mocking did the same thing. They just weren't caught or they weren't caught yet or they just weren't exposed. And so I always say to people, you know, when I see news stories of scandals about people that have had affairs or done this or done that, I really just like to keep my mouth closed and pray because if any of our business was all up on the screen and people were making commentary, it probably wouldn't be good for all of us either. I know it wouldn't be good for me. It would be embarrassing. But Jesus' heart is for this woman caught in adultery. And yet, here are the religious people. And their whole thing, they didn't care about the woman at all. They didn't care if she got stoned. They didn't care if she was embarrassed. They didn't care if she was half-dressed. They didn't care about any of that. They were using her situation 
as a means and as a way to try to trap Jesus. Because it says they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. Now, I don't know about any of you, but if anybody's ever tried to trap you or tried to get you to say something so that they could use it against you, I'm sure none of you have ever had an argument with anybody in your whole life. <laughs> Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. But if you've ever argued with somebody who wants to be right, like that's what they're looking for. They're looking for ways to make you wrong or to say, oh, well, you said this earlier, da, da, da. You know, you can feel that kind of pressure and that kind of tension in the air. Even if you walk into a room where people have been gossiping or talking about each other, you know, when you walk in, you can feel that because communication is a spirit. And so Jesus can feel that spirit that they're trying to trap him. He can sense that that's pressure everywhere around him. Here's a woman who needs his love and salvation and restoration. And she's being paraded in front of everybody. And there is the savior, the son of the living God who wants to save. And then there's the religious people who just wanna trap Jesus so that they can use it against him. All this pressure and what does he do to respond first? He stoops down and he writes in the dust with his finger. Now, a lot of people want to know what he was writing, but I just think it's interesting because we don't know exactly what he was writing. These people just speculate and theologians that are much, much smarter than me have ideas. I, but I, I just honestly, it doesn't tell us, so I think we don't know. But in the middle of all that pressure, he stooped down, he paused. He didn't succumb to the pressure. And I think that one of the things that we have to realize is that just because there's all this pressure to say something, you know, when people are interrogating you or they're asking you questions and what do you say about this and what do you say about that? And Monica, well, what do you think this means in the Bible? And but, 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 you know, when I was younger, I used to think I had to answer. <laughs> and I used to think it had to be a good answer. But I look at this example of Jesus and he stoops for, he takes just a moment to pause and he writes something in the ground as if to say, I just don't even need to answer that right this second. All questions don't deserve an answer. Amen. And just because somebody is pressuring, pressuring, pressuring you to say or to do something, it might be the moment that you need to just pause Amen. and to yield to Christ and to just say, I'm just here, Jesus, I'm here, you see me. 
And if you want to fill my mouth with some words, I'm all for it. But if, there, if you don't want to do that, I'm okay with not saying anything. Because I've learned that even a lot of people that say that they want to talk about the Bible or want to talk about Scripture, they don't want to get to know Jesus. They just want to argue. You know, I've had people say, well, you know, I, I don't think as a woman that you should be teaching from the Bible, and so you just explain to me how you can do that. Well, I'll just be really honest with you. Unless the Lord really puts it on my heart to answer that question, I just don't answer it. Because I, I think this way, if you don't want to listen, you don't have to. I don't break into people's houses and preach. So, you know, if you're not comfortable with it, I, I completely respect that. Now, if it's an honest, genuine answer and the Lord puts it on me to answer, well, then I will. But if it's just to argue and to just to debate, the Bible says to have nothing to do with foolish controversies and debates. It says to have nothing to do with that. So when you're under pressure, follow Christ's example and pause. See what he wants you to do about it, but keep your heart in check so that you can love everybody. Because Jesus' heart was even for these religious people. You know, even though that they were working to try to trap him, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that Jesus says, you know, to the Pharisees, how I would have just loved to have gathered you. How I just would have loved to put my arms around you. How I would have just loved to love you. And yet they never got that. They just wanted to trap him. But we can, as we follow Jesus, even when that pressure comes and rises up, we can love everybody. We can love people if we don't agree with them. We can love them if they're religious. We can love them if they're heathens. We can love them whatever, whatever kind of lifestyle that they live. We can love under pressure. We can love even when they mock us and insult us. It's okay. The Bible says that we should be of great joy when we're persecuted. Now, when I'm persecuted, I'll be honest, my first response may not be to jump up and down and say, yay, because I'm a person just like you all. Sometimes I get my little feelings hurt. But then I remember, it is an honor to suffer for Christ. It is an honor to be persecuted for his matchless name. And it is a blessing to my Father when I will love those that insult and mock me and love them anyway. It is a blessing to my Father because he made them too. And let's look at Jesus' family. Because you all know and I know that, you know, a lot of times, you know, our families, they know all of our stuff, right? <laughs> they know when we got A's on the report card and they know when we didn't. And they know, you know, kind of some of the bad choices that we may have made. And, you know, sometimes when our families relate to us, they relate to us like we were a long time ago. They really don't relate to us how we've grown up and what we're like now. And I, I've shared with some of you all, you know, that uh, one time I, I was going to speak at a women's conference and it was a, it was a big women's conference and about 1,500 women were coming. And my mom said to me, what are you going to speak about, Monica? Because, you know, we're getting ready to get in the car and she was coming. And I was so glad that she could come. And I said, oh, I said, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. It'll be a surprise. And she said, oh, I know. She says, I know you. She said, you're just, <laughs> you haven't prepared. 
She said, you're just gonna get up there and you're just gonna, you're just gonna wing it. You never did your homework when you were in high school. <laughs> and I said, but mom, you know, I was 14 then. <laughs> I said, I, I put something together. And you know, after the, the conference, she apologized. I want you all to know, she said, I feel so badly. I could tell that you prepared. I said, mom, I would never with God's word not prepare. That's, that wouldn't be on my radar. It's an honor to speak God's word. And it requires preparation and a heart for people and it requires prayer. But what I'm saying is she related to me like when I was in high school. And I would say, yes, mom, I did my homework and I didn't. Sometimes that's how our family is. And when you look at Jesus, he endured pressure even from his family. Look with me at John 7 and I'll read verses 1 through 5. It says, um, after this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. You all, that's pressure. Can you imagine that? People plotting your death and you're out walking around. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this, if you can do such wonderful things, go show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Jesus replied, now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it, hate, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. Think about how hurtful that would be to be traveling the road of life, which is what he was doing, to be in the presence of your family, to know that you're hiding because people are plotting your death. Like we read this afterward, like after he's already died, been buried and resurrected on the cross in the moment that somebody is plotting your death. And I hope that never happens for any of us. But if, if that was happening, how much pressure would we feel? How much angst and anxiety that I need to stay out of so-and-so's sight because they are plotting my death. And yet he's still wanting to seek and save the lost. So it's at this moment in Jesus' life where the end is coming soon, and he knows that, but he's trying to stay out of these people's sight and do what he needs to do. And his brothers basically mock him. And they say to him, well, why don't you go over there so your followers can see your miracles? You can't become famous, hiding. Can you imagine somebody mocking you at your darkest moment? People that are your family. People that are supposed to love you, you all, that's pressure, pressure, pressure. You just imagine you want to just do a few miracles right in front of them, just shut them right up, right? Amen. I mean, I would want to do that. Yeah, let me show you a miracle or two and a miracle or two. And how about a miracle from over there, brothers? So we know that in life there are moments that even our families don't understand and where they don't get us. And yet, we are to love under pressure. 
And there's something that Jesus says toward the end of that scripture that I think that we need to take note of. He tells them, you go on. You go on to that area, Judea. You go on. I'm not going because my time has not yet come. And there's something that we all need to know about love and love under pressure. And that is that while we don't know really even what the next moment holds for us, we think we know, but we don't know. God knows. And when we have that pressure to prove who we are, and hopefully people aren't wanting us, you know, we're not saying that we're the savior, that people aren't asking us to prove ourselves in that way, but people ask us to prove ourselves in all kinds of ways. Prove that we're a Christian, prove that we're this, prove that we're that, prove that we're good enough to hang out with them. The world asks us to prove a lot, prove that we fit in, prove that we belong. But there's something we have to remember when Jesus said, my time has not yet come, he knew that there was a time and a season for him. And we have to understand that the Bible says about us that our life, our time, our seasons are in his hands. We don't have to prove that we fit in. We don't have to prove that we belong. We don't have to prove that we're Christians. We just are. We're obedient. We follow him step by step, by each step of faith. We don't have to prove to people that the Bible is right. We don't have to prove to people that God exists. Now, if people ask me questions about God or scriptures, I will spend all day long with them. I would be glad to pray with them. I mean, if their heart is really to seek, I'm thrilled about that. But even the Bible itself does not seek to prove the existence of God. It says, in the beginning, God, right? He just is. He is, and he is exactly who he says he is. And so even if we have family or people around us that don't understand or that want to isolate us, we don't have to prove anything to them. Just realize that our life, our times, our seasons are in his hands. He doesn't abandon the work of his hands. And whatever it is that he has planned for us, as long as we are obedient and follow him in faith, that plan is going to come to pass. In the midst sometimes of people mocking us and thinking we're not good enough and thinking whatever, remember that our life, our times, our seasons are in his hands. And then if you look even at the pressures that Jesus was under even through his own disciples, if you look at Mark 14:50, just one part of a, of, of a scripture there, as Jesus was betrayed and arrested, then all the disciples deserted him and ran away. At that darkest moment, that is pressure. Can you imagine when you're in the process of being arrested, going to hang on the cross to sacrifice for the love and the restoration, the salvation of the world, all his disciples deserted him and ran away. And he sees that and he knows that you all, that is love under pressure. And so we learn from that, that when pressure leaves us isolated, 
we determine to stay the course. Don't let the fact that you feel all by yourself or even if you are standing all by yourself in faith on a situation or in your life, stand by yourself in faith and love everybody. Pray that the cry of our heart will be like Jesus. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. You all, when people mock us, when they mistreat us, when they reject us, when they insult us, while it's hurtful, they don't know what they're doing. Just like before we came to Christ, we didn't know what we were doing. Before I became a Christian, I mocked Christians, I made fun, I did that. I did not know what I was doing. And I'm so grateful for the people that loved him enough to continue to witness to me, to continue to pray for me, that loved me under the pressure that I brought to their life. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that someone loved you enough to love me even when I behaved badly. So when pressure isolates you, determined to stay his course for you, to walk in his love and forgive people because they don't understand, and then also remember, God does his best work in the dark. His best work was done on the day of the crucifixion, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and all that first part of that was dark. It looked like the people of God and Jesus was absolutely losing, but that was absolutely a lie. When you look at your life and everything is the darkest, he does his best work in the dark. If we will just determine to stay the course and to love under pressure, Oh, he is working behind the scenes to work everything out for our good because we love him, because we are called according to his purpose. He's taking even the things that are meant for evil and he's working those for good. And we're giving the enemy no room by loving and forgiving everybody. Just ask him, Jesus, just help me love everybody. I'm not choosing sides. I'm not getting into all the... mm -mm. I'm going to love everybody. And as we love under pressure, the closeness and the presence of God will just begin to surround us in our lives and we will walk in a newness and in a freshness and we have a witness and a testimony that nobody can take from us. And it's because we've determined that we're going to love under pressure because God's love has the final say about our life. And he's going to make good happen for us because we love him. So in just a few moments, Jennifer McGill is going to come and talk to all of you all about love under pressure. And my encouragement for all of us today is to make that firm commitment. Whether we're persecuted, whether we're isolated, whether we're misunderstood, that we are going to love everybody no matter how much pressure is on because God is good. Would you like to be a part of a Bridges Studio Audience production? Visit monicaschmelter.com calendar to sign up. You can purchase a copy of today's show for $15. Call us at 615-754-0039 or send a check to the address on your screen. Be sure to mention the program number. Hi, I'm Jennifer McGill, and I'm here with Linda. Thanks for joining us today. 
thank you for joining us here today at Bridges. Now, we just learned a lot from Monica about loving under pressure. And I realized that you can't always control what you receive from this world, but you can control the reactions you send back out. So was there something really impactful that Monica spoke about today concerning love under pressure that you'd like to relate for us, Linda? Well, I really listened close to her because how Jesus stood underneath all the pressure. And really, that's who we want to pattern our life after. Mm -hmm. And it's not always easy to do that. You have to be pay attention and really mean it. Mm-hmm. But it is better to 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 choose yes. to love people even when sometimes you don't want right. to. We're human and choosing to love everybody is sometimes difficult. She spoke about, you know, pinching your lips, pausing, you know, maybe not saying everything that comes to your mind, praying, preparation. Which one of those are you just going to focus on next, do you think? Like what what are you going to beef up on a little bit? Oh my. Uh, to me, what you need to pinch your lips. Pinch your lips. Since you said pinch your lips, yeah, just be quiet. That's right. Words, words, words. And it's it's what we put back out in the world, right? We can choose to love and we can choose to change our mind and to speak life, just like Jesus showed us to do. Thank you so much for joining us today, Linda. Thank you again for joining us today here at Bridges. You can find the study guides and the full episode on monicashmelter.com. You have a wonderful rest of your day. The blood of Christ is the only cure. It gets down to the root of every single thing that ails us. There's not an addiction. There's not a generational curse. There's not any root of sin. There's nothing that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse. Visit monicaschmelter.com to schedule Monica to speak at your event. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.